Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Kent Voices podcast, focusing on postgraduate life with me, your host, Charlie Gurr. We'll be looking at what it's like to be a postgraduate student, support available for international students, meditation opportunities on campus and more. So without further ado, let's get on with the podcast. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Fabian. I um, just completed my master's degrees program in project management. I was the uh, former student representative of the program. And um, today I'll be speaking about uh, the mental health struggles for international students here in the UK. Hello, I'm Adele. Um, I work at the GRC. So I cover staff and students. So my role here really is I would like to learn from you guys what support services have really helped you during your studies um, and so that we can better signpost them for future students. Hello, my name is Stephen. I'm a PhD scholar in the School of History. And so my research is linked to the scientific history of mindfulness. And so it won't surprise you to know that I have a particular interest in meditation and mindfulness. And I've probably got 20 to 25 years experience of teaching research and practice in that field. So my name is Priya Sama. Um, I'm a pharmacist who's now doing a PhD. Um, I'm in my third year of my PhD. So two years were sort of in COVID and then now coming out of that. Um, and then what I would like to talk about or discuss, I think um, kind of the transition of doing undergraduate to then going into, I was working for a year and then straight into the PhD. And then obviously with COVID and everything, um, I guess kind of the progression through that um, and imposter syndrome and, <laughs> and things like that and working through all of that and then coming out to the other end of seeing all these prospects of where you can go um, as an individual with, with the PhD. So thank you for introducing yourselves. Um, firstly, why might a student consider a PhD or further study at the University of Kent? Well, I, I guess there's probably one answer, Charlie. I think uh, depending on what your goals are, uh, where you are in your life. I think my experience of the PhD is the people that I've studied with have a whole range of reasons. But if I talk about my kind of own idea, it's very much a project that's important to me. Understanding it personally and sharing that knowledge more widely is probably sums up my goal quite succinctly. So Fabian, what, what made you decide to uh, do a master's then? Oh, okay, yes, um, yeah, thanks, Charlie. Well, I, I was in Nigeria and I wanted to get um, a master's degree. So I surfed the internet, stumbled upon project management programs in different universities. And I read the uh, the project management program on the University of Kent's website. And I was, uh, I was attracted to the program. I was drawn in because of um, the modules the program offered. And I saw how that could be aligned to my future career projections. And I decided to apply for the master's degree program and so far so good it has been wonderful i've had i would say i've had um, interesting experiences beautiful experiences i've met a lot of people and um, i would definitely recommend the program to, to others so what challenges have you faced during your time here at kent coming to the uk i i, I would say a major challenge initially was the culture shock because you know um, people say here in the uk they say the americans are confrontational and the British are non-confrontational. That's a popular saying. And being African, you know, if, if I'm walking down the street back home, I see a stranger, I can smile and say hello, and they wave back. So 
I tried that initially when I came to the UK, you know, <laughs> no one responded because I was wondering why, is, you know, I walked down the road and I would literally have to look at my hands to wonder whether I was visible. <laughs> I thought no one was seeing me. So that culture shock initially was a struggle because it, it, it was more or less like, how do I um, adapt to the British culture? And, you know, it's, it's difficult. So having lived a large part of your life in a country, then moved to a new country, and you now have to unlearn everything you've known to be true and now relearn how things are done here in the UK. You know, and you have to do that almost immediately. You understand? So then combined with um, working and going to school, it is something that is not popular in my country. You understand? If you are going to study for an undergraduate degree or a master's degree, you find most people dedicating their entire time to just studying you understand back when i completed my undergrad degree it was like a taboo to have a job and <laughs> be studying you know but here it seems like oh it's the norm and i definitely had to you know fall in line because of you know i had bills to pay and all of that so yeah um those were some of the struggles that i encountered here in the university the other one that i found shocking was the support that i got from um, the teachers because back home is more or less once a lecturer has finished teaching you a particular subject or course, like, and like it's called in Nigeria, that's it, you are left by yourself, and you're left to yourself. Then I came here to the university and uh, lecturers say things like, okay, you know, when, once you are, if you need any help with your assignment, send me an email, you know, I almost froze. In fact, I think I, I, mean, I, think I, had, I almost had a heart, um, I mean, heart attack because <laughs> back where I come from, that is not a common experience. So yeah, so, so those are some of the um, struggles that I had. Did you find it helpful? So the Graduate and Research College, we put on a lot of uh, support services for postgraduate. And for example, we have a Moodle page dedicated to wellbeing um, and we've got the Global Skills Award, uh, et cetera. So I wonder just how um, beneficial they were for you as a, a postgraduate student. Yeah, um, I would say uh, the Global Skills Award, it, it was beneficial for me because I did participate in that and I got mm. the, um, the gold award because I knew fully well that if I was going to position myself to get a job upon graduation, I definitely needed to have a strategy and that would involve me participating in extracurricular activities, not just so much about the award, but you know, coming to learn about other subject matters, about gender equality, because back home, I, I've always known about gender inequality, but I didn't understand the extent to which um, that gap was because it's not as evident as it is here in the West. For us Africans, it's taboo to come out and say, I'm depressed. I would look at you and say, how can you be living in the UK and be depressed? If you are depressed, then come back home to Nigeria. Let me go. But, you know, it's something you cannot really explain because people are going to think about they're living in a place of a land of milk and honey, have all, um, all these opportunities and you are depressed or you're having mental health struggles. They could look at you like you are actually exaggerating or probably telling a false tale. I don't know whether you saw recently, but we had the researchers showcase uh, on the 8th of June and we actually had a series of talkers come in and one of them was Gareth Hughes, who is a expert on postgraduate wellbeing. So it's really something that we're trying to, to encourage conversations about and to encourage that network. If you're an international student and would like to talk to someone about your well-being, you can book an appointment with the international and EU advisor in SSW, Andy. There are also a number of peer support programmes available to help international students 
Setlin's University Life at Kent. One such initiative is the International Wellbeing Group, which meets weekly during term time and is a chance to meet with other international students for games, chats and support. Student Support and Wellbeing also runs two matching schemes, Just Coffee and Walking Buddy, where students can meet with someone new on campus. You can find out more about these services on the Student Support and Wellbeing homepage, which is linked in the description of this podcast or on our Instagram at UniKentSSW. I started in January last year. So people who joined in September last year, there was a, um, my course mate, Adia, she's Indian. So the day we finished our module for the, um, for the day and I stood with her for about one hour and she explained to me how she had been applying for jobs and I explained to her that she should not become discouraged when she's going to get rejections, that to be honest, she's going to get a lot of rejections. And I shared my stories about the rejections that I had with her. And over time, we became close, and she said to me that, you know, that talk we had helped because when I get rejections, I'm not broken because that does affect a lot of international students because you come here thinking of greener pastures and you apply for 10 jobs and you get 10 rejections back. But I wonder, okay, what is it that I'm doing wrong? You know, that conversation we had helped her surmount that, adverse, that adversity, you understand, if that makes a lot of sense because you know that this is somebody that actually has passed through this problem and understand it and, and will guide me and give me the tips that will be helpful. And I'm talking about practical tips, not just um, theoretical tips, because it's one thing for you to read it from a book. It's another thing for somebody who, who has actually lived through it. Uh, okay, so Stephen, um, you mentioned before about your, your experience with, uh, with meditation. Why is that important to you and uh, when did that begin? If you, um, if you uh, permit me, Charlie, can I just pick up on one or two points which I've been inspired by, by the previous comments about, about why we, we studied here. I, I think um, as a scholar in the School of History, they would not forgive me if I didn't mention that currently Kent is the number one ranked research institution in the UK. So the quality of the teaching, and this isn't just a simple promotion, the quality of the teaching is also a factor. Um, also, uh, following up on some of the points that Fabian was making about cultural shock, I think that's completely, that's my experience, even though, you know, I'm sort of white working class, so. I don't suffer some of those, but some of the people I work with have made the same point. But also I'd like to say that the culture of university and different universities is problematic. And so if I can throw a bit of a bit of science, I'm a scientist by training, even though I'm in history now. One of the things we know is that um, undergraduates and postgraduates at universities suffer from a sense of isolation. Uh, you mentioned, Adele mentioned Gareth coming to give a talk at the uh, postgrad research showcase, and that was one of the points he made. So the role of the graduate school in always being there, I think is really important because even though I'm someone who kind of, I spend a lot of time working, I've got my own networks. It's always useful and nice to know that there are things there and opportunities there, even though I don't always engage. If you have a kind of low moment, it's quite nice to see that there's something there. Okay, now, sorry, uh, thanks for that. If to go back to, so meditation, I have a, a long history with meditation and I actually came to meditation in my uh, late 30s when I had quite a serious mental health problem. And I wasn't, uh, I wasn't any, I was an atheist, I wasn't a spiritual believer at the time, but through practicing compassion meditation, I eventually overcame that, that difficulty. And that changed the kind of trajectory of my life. Um, not simply because I actually resolved that problem, which was quite a big thing anyway, but what happened to me is to see that the way we think 
and speak and act can change or change my life from being really challenging to being extremely happy and joyful. And the fact that we have that tool within us kind of prompted me to become a psychologist and a neuropsychologist and now study the history of meditation. First, maybe first until 2000, practically all, all of my knowledge was in traditional forms of meditation. I traveled in, in Europe and in Asia and did those kind of things, sitting in rooms with lots of people meditating. But around about 2000, I actually started to gain some more scientific approaches to complement that. And this has led to me studying the scientific history now to make sense of how we understand meditation in the West and how we could best use it to help people in their journey through life. And so how have you found, um, obviously being at the University of Kent, how have you managed to sort of find that balance between sort of work life and getting the time to, to practice uh, meditation as well? I think that I think there's a, it's really helpful at the moment because meditation and mindfulness, they're quite popular concepts. And so maybe when I first started talking about meditation and teaching meditation 10 or 15 years ago, people would view it as being something quite unusual and esoteric. Whereas in terms of meditating, I've run two different groups on campus. People come and they kind of have a sense of what it is. For my own point of view, having had a strong meditation practice over years, it's really simple. I generally do some kind of meditation in the morning, some in the evening, and it's just it's quite integrated into my life. And I would say that's kind of one of the keys to meditating or any form of mind training, it doesn't have to be spiritual, is to build the habit, is to build a habit over days, weeks and months, because that's what delivers the changes to our structures and functions in our brain that, that brings us closer to uh, going in the direction that we want to go. So for those wanting to start meditation um, or find out sort of what's available on campus, uh, what would you recommend to them? How would they go about doing that? I think there is a well-developed um, school and groups that work with mindfulness. And they, you will find um, information about them through the normal channels, wellbeing pages. But also um, we have a funded compassion group, which is funded through the PG Experience Award. And even though um, that has come to an end during the summer, it, it will be carrying on in the autumn term in the, in the new academic year. And that's promoted. And also that anytime I can't find what I need, I generally just email someone at the GRC and say, look, this might sound abstract. Is there any meditation? Is there a writing group? And they will generally point me in the direction of what I need if it's not something that they manage personally. Anything, meditation, events, etc., coming up by that, you can always see in our bulletins that we send weekly out to all postgraduate research and talk students. Okay, great. Priya, would you want to um, talk about sort of your experience and how you found the transition? Yeah, definitely. So I think there's a, there's a few few things um, that I kind of want to speak about. So I think firstly that doing an undergraduate, then then working for a year, you're you're finally earning money, you're you're out there, and then coming back to then do a PhD, and suddenly all your friends are progressing in their careers, and you're seeing that progression, and you're you know everyone's kind of moving on, and you feel, or, or sometimes you may feel that you're sort of stuck in this in this one position while everyone else's lives are kind of going on and I think that was a big difficulty for me um, at the time and obviously that with COVID going on as well was it just felt um, it, it, I, I guess some days were quite difficult um, especially self-motivating yourself and things like that um, but I think you have to look at the the end goal and where you want to go from there. And it, it might take you some time to kind of 
um, realize that or, or make yourself feel better about I'm still doing something that is worth it, something that I enjoy, something that I will still get something out of. Um, it took a lot of convincing, but it's it's somewhere that you will get. Um, so I think that was that was difficult. And, and also financially, because um, again, you see other people moving on and you think, oh, but I'm not, but I'm not there, I'm not going there. But you know, you will, you will get there. Um, so that's that's kind of one side. Um, the second side was imposter syndrome. Um, kind of feeling like you don't belong uh, somewhere or, 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 you know, that you shouldn't be there or you don't deserve to be there, things like that. Again, that took me, I would say, probably a year and a half um, into my PhD until I started sort of realising, no, actually, I do deserve to be here. And, and you, you kind of, you, you get a paper together or you attend a conference and you start feeling better. And for me personally, um, working through those things, what helped the most was, um, networking and speaking to others, coming to the events. Um, unfortunately, obviously, because of COVID, I think was online or kind of delayed. Um, so this past year of being able to come in person um, to, to the Kent campus and in Canterbury and sort of meeting other PhD students or other researchers in other departments and speaking about um, our research and what we're doing, it made me feel like I wasn't so alone you know oh someone else is actually experiencing the same thing I am um and that made me feel a lot better and made me want to speak about it more because I didn't feel because the whole time of my two years um I thought I'm the only one going through this and and no one else is procrastinating like I am and, and no one's sort of you know doing what I'm doing but then when I actually spoke to others we're all in the same boat we're all going through the same thing we have the same feelings um and that communication I guess is what helped me so much and um I I do wish that if things were different and COVID wasn't around that maybe that one-to-one -one interaction or in-person interaction would have happened a lot earlier um which means that I wouldn't have felt how I felt for so long um but definitely, you know, get, getting out there, I do recommend those to, to kind of to get out there and speak to others and know that you're not alone in that journey. Um, and then kind of similar to what um, Stephen was saying, things like meditation or I, I even picked up yoga um, has helped tremendously. Um, and sometimes it's difficult because when we're not doing our research, we feel guilty. That we're not that we're not doing our research um but you have to have that mindset of looking in the long run what's going to help you the most mental health is a, one of the most important things and i think we all take it for granted sometimes um but it's so key to think about what makes us truly happy and even if it's half an hour once a week or, or an hour or whatever it is just try and fit that in for you for you um and, you know, your research can wait. You'll get it done. <laughs> you just have to focus on yourself because if you burn yourself out or if you do too much, then, you know, you might not make it to the end. Whereas if you do put these things in place and you do what's best for you um, and, you know, try and try and fit it in, um, you know, instead of instead of watching Netflix for two hours, you know, maybe watch it for an hour and then an hour of yoga or meditation or something. Um, there, there's always a way. And um, I think for me, that was networking, speaking to people and trying to organize my week to have that time for myself was the biggest, made the biggest change over my, over my time as a PhD student. Speaking about the imposter syndrome and the imposter syndrome, I can relate to that because I remember, even to date, to be honest, the browser of the page where I accepted my job offer, I have not closed that browser page to date. Why? because I always want to go back 
to remind myself that the job is still there. You understand? Because it's truly a thing where you are in a position that you think you probably don't deserve to be there because most of the people who are there, or everyone who is there does not look like you. You understand? It's more or less like when you share your ex- when you share your story and tell someone, oh, I got a job at this company, people are looking at you like, how on earth did you uh, did you do that? You understand? And that's um, one thing that I can um, speak to. Then also when she spoke about the career progression, when you have every other person around you moving up and it's just you, I knew that was my story when, um, especially and it's worse in this age because of social media. Somebody buys a new car, it's on, it's on their Instagram page. They buy a new dress it's on their Instagram page. They get married on their Instagram page. You know, it sort of makes you feel like you're not doing anything with your life. And that's the struggle that a majority of people are, are in today because we believe that we are not doing enough, even when we are really doing more than enough, because there's always somebody out there who is trying to show off their latest achievement. And you just have this mental breakdown. So, yeah. But yes, yeah, sort of being able to realise that there's, there's other people going for the same thing as you. And whilst others in, in a career or in a job, realising that you're taking your own path and it's, it's unique to them and not to kind of compare yourself to others too much. But I think it's a point worth making, even though I think it follows on from several points, including something that Priya was saying, that increasingly I'm seeing the, the kind of conversations around mental health shouldn't just be the preserve of when we're feeling desperate or, or we get to the point where we feel we need some kind of help. I think those conversations are really useful to have throughout, you know, all of our time and our, our networks. And so the idea that we should uh, meditate or we should relax or we should use our networks to preserve good mental health and not simply kind of focus. I know this is a, a kind of change in the way that we treat mental health problems, because I think as Fabian was saying, for many of us, it's not something that we would openly talk about. But I think that's a really useful thing to say. It's actually really important to preserve good mental health and and to move towards a situation where where we don't, in a sense, precipitate, as in my case, a crisis by not talking about it. And so to say, I, I'm, you know, to, to, to normalise the idea that I'm not going to study for 12 hours a day because I actually need to look after myself a little bit at the moment. Yeah, I think it's, it's a great point to mention because, I mean, anyone can experience different things with their mental health, whether they're a student. I mean, I'm, a, um, I'm going to my third year in an undergraduate degree in September, and I've had my fair share of struggles when it comes to mental health, doing things in my course. And it's the same whether you're a lecturer, whether you're, whether you're um, doing an MA, whether you're doing a PhD, whether you're in a maintenance team helping to, to work and get the, the university, um, making sure it's running smoothly. And so whatever walk of life you're in, it can be, it can be a struggle sometimes. And I think it's, it is important to know that whatever you're going through, it may seem like you're struggling at the moment and times can be hard, but it's, it's to know that there are people there out there to support you. There are people going through a, a plethora of different, different things, but knowing that there always, is always someone there to speak to. And it's so important, I think, to be able to, to not feel embarrassed about what you're going through, not get yourself down. I think that's a difficulty sometimes is you, you kind of, you think, oh, why am I feeling like this? And then you, it, you don't want that to then, sort of have a knock-on effect on your, on your studies but it's knowing that getting striking that balance I think thinking okay uh, I know pre you were saying about being able to take breaks um, between your research I think it is important to kind of strike that balance and know that it's okay to step back for periods of time and to, to acknowledge that your mental health is, is so important in whatever walk of life you're in really. I think that's um, everyone's raised really good points there and I just want to say it's definitely something that we at the GRC are looking at, um, so improving access to 
mental health support. So we have coaching slots for students, coaching slots for staff. We also have, obviously, Charlie, you know, uh, the Together All, access to the Together All app for PGR students. So um, that's encouraging PGR students to get the help that they need and get the support and also sort of fostering that sense of community. So it's something we're really trying to build on there. So I would really encourage everyone to access those resources. Um, you can find them on our website, on our social media pages. So, yeah, I think it's really, really important conversation to have and to keep that work going with it. Yeah, and just to add on to your point there, yeah, University of Kent students do have access to together and uh, and spectrum life as well two things that can be great in terms of mental health together has lots of uh, peer groups which you can join and discuss with others who might be going through a similar thing uh, same with uh, spectrum life you can speak to advisors it's yeah it's, it's a great thing to be able to to know that you can speak to someone no matter what you're going through no matter when it is knowing that there will, will be someone there to listen to you I mean, it's easy for us to say, do this, do that, and, and you know, set time aside. And like, I just want to say that no one's perfect and no one's kind of got it figured out. Um, and, it, you know, if you do it one week and you don't do the other, that's fine too. Um, but we're all on a progress. We're all on this the journey of progress and we'll all figure it out in the end. But um, you don't have to be perfect as well. That's it. <laughs> I, I would say the last thing I want to add, because... Um talking to these um, students and hearing their side of what they are going through actually does help, you know, because I realized something. I actually did volunteer for an intercultural workshop and I spoke to Dr. I don't know, you might know her and Dr. Charlene L. And as soon as I spoke to her, it's kind of like a burden went off my chest, you know, when you just talk about something other than academics, <laughs> you know, for a few minutes during the lecture, it, uh, you know, it helps because as Stephen, who is who is a, who is a scholar, we can all tell that okay, you've had other experiences in your life other than just teaching, you know, and sharing those experiences with other people would actually help them, and they know fully well that okay, there's nothing wrong if I actually made that mistake. You understand? Because if we're going to just keep on pouring more of this academic information and PowerPoint slides and research information people who have these personal struggles going on in their life in the long term i don't think it's going to be useful to both institution and the student so that's my um, that's my recommendation unfortunately that's all we have time for on this episode of the kent voices podcast remember there are also lots available for international students global hangouts are networking and activity events to bring together students from across the university with a focus on international festivals Pre-sessional courses for new undergraduates can help ease international students into their first year at Kent. And there is also support available for international students on academic, financial and visa compliance matters. Links to these services can be found in the description of this podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Student Services at the University of Kent. For more information, visit www.kent.ac.uk forward slash student services.